What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it. But thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast. Hi Jess, welcome. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into elk. I love your background by the way. So for those just listening, you got some stud bulls behind you. Like your office is legit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have to create a space that uh, inspires me. So naturally, there's a lot of elk in here. <laughs> is this is this the wall that was orange and is now green, or is this a different wall? Yes, it's <laughs> it was awful. Uh, orange is the worst wall color. It's my least favorite color in the rainbow as well. But um, yeah, two of the four <laughs> walls were orange, so I got rid of them immediately and changed it to something that would make me feel good. So green-ish walls and, and uh, bulls around me. I feel like I work you know, very well. With I, I always, I always laugh. Cause like my background doesn't have any elk in it. Um, Ryan gives me hell because there's no mule deer either, but the, I do have one elk, but it's like off to the side. No one ever sees it. So, you know, whatever. I only have one, but the, the problem is putting elk in your office is like, when you have a small office, it kind of like takes up most of your office. <laughs> oh yeah. This, this room shrunk really, really quick. And I'm fixing to put a full body mountain lion right here as soon as it gets here. So I'm going to, I'm going to be like in this little box, but I'm going <laughs> to, I feel like I'm going to work really, really well. <laughs> I'm going to be inspired every day. Nice. So before, before elk season, you're, I mean, you're go you got some hunts lined up. You're, are you going on a mountain goat hunt this year? I am. I, it was my first year applying for Alaska mountain goat and I'm, I felt, I just feel super grateful because one of my two bosses is actually a guide in Alaska. He's been guiding there for, I think it's his 13th year. Yeah. He's actually there guiding doll sheep right now and then he'll go to grizzly and then I'll meet him for mountain goat. But anyway, I applied underneath him and drew my first year, like was not expecting that at all. Uh, <laughs> I, about, I don't know, maybe a dozen total tags. Um, so it's the exact same hunt that Sierra Langbell went on last year. If you happen to see that YouTube video, oh yeah, yeah. country, um, yeah, rich environment. It's it should be a great hunt. So that's actually that's not kicking off my season. I'll have the over the counter cow spike here in Utah just because I just love chasing elk. I don't care what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and it's cool here in Utah because a lot of times you can go into units that take 20, 25 years to draw. So you're in these you're in massive bulls you just can't shoot them you get to learn their behavior and stuff and then you shoot the cows and spikes but um that's okay, my and so i actually this would be an interesting conversation because this has come up um a few times and i've said to multiple people like if you really want to be a good elk hunter go get a, a spike tag in utah and hunt around big bulls go and like don't just try to kill a spike go try to put a stock on a herd like start hunting those herds of elk because you're gonna get so many at bats and i had we were at the stone glacier event this uh week ago and when i one of the guys that he listens to the podcast he came up and he's like man we had the my buddy had the 380 tag uh in uh montana here and he's like it was so crazy he's like the the learning experience was insane because 
you're calling in multiple bulls a day. Like you're just, it's just not the same level of people and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, that's how you learn is like getting at bats. And like, I, I'm a huge believer that go into like a place like Utah and people are probably getting mad at me because it's putting more spike hunters in those units. But it's like, if you want to get at bats, go to places where there's tons of elk, you're going to get tons of opportunities versus going to like New Mexico where you're like, you might see one elk, you know, like we'll have one encounter the entire trip. I, do you agree or disagree? Uh, well, I've, I've, for the units I've been able to hunt and I've been very fortunate in New Mexico I would, I would disagree, but I think for a large majority of other more obtainable tags, I would agree. Like it's a little bit harder. So, um, but I agree with your whole, the whole picture, as far as get in them, experience it. Like there's the best way to learn elk behavior is to be, be an elk, um, find them, be in them. Like there's, you can, you can't just sit there and watch YouTube all day or even listen to podcasts all day and think that you're going to understand it. The best thing to do is immerse yourself in it. And I feel like Utah is a, it's like, it's not a secret, but I don't think people realize how good it is. Like, I, I don't think they truly know how good that cow spike hunt can be and, and what you can learn about mature bulls in the process. Like it's incredible. And last year, the shot that I got on a spike, it was a, this heavy, this heavy bull pushed the spike right to me. So I was 50 yards from a screaming bull and he was literally pissing all over himself, like freaking out. And then he pushed the spike to me and I got a shot missed him by the way, I was just so <laughs> jacked up, but um, yeah, like you just can't replace experience and I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. So. Cause I mean, you kind of, you cut your teeth in New Mexico. Like what would you say, you know, 30,000 foot view is your like hunting style and main hunting area. Like obviously you hunt wherever you can get a tag, but like when I like 30,000 foot view, like just give people like, are you spot and stock? Are you call? Are you like, what do you like to do? I'm definitely more spot and stock. Um, I'm not afraid to say that I'm not, I'm not a very good caller. Like I can cow call when it comes to bugling and stuff, like other than a location bugle. And even that's a little rough. I just, all, any of the bulls I've shot, I it's because I shut up and moved in. So that's just, that's what I do. And maybe that's honestly, it might be from living and being from the South. Like I have that whitetail blood in me. It's what I hunted for so much before I started hunting elk. And one of the hardest transitions from somebody that was raised in the South around whitetail sitting in a tree stand or a ground blind is knowing that it's okay to make noise, knowing it's okay to close that gap in the right time. Like you can be more aggressive. And I've learned over the, you know, over the past, I don't know, I don't know, 2015 is when I started hunting elk, but I've learned to be more aggressive when it calls for it. But at the end of the day, that last 100, 150 yards, I, I move in. So they never know I'm there. And so, but I dream of the day of getting a bull called in and actually shooting up called bulls in, but it was like here in Utah when I was just practicing and stuff. So what, which is funny. I actually, um, you know, I grew up calling and whatnot and I've moved away from it just because I feel like there's so many people teaching and like so many YouTube channels and I get it. It's fun. I'm not telling anyone how to hunt and it's, it's super fun to call an elk, but I think the reality of the situation is that in 2022, you're far more likely to get an opportunity by not challenge bugling every single elk that comes you come in contact with. Like, like you said, like how many times have you got on an elk, not got a shot and then been able to get back on that herd elk? Right. Probably a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I feel, I, and, and people who kill a lot more bulls than me and have, that have, and will continue to, <laughs> um, 
they tend to say the same thing. If you want a, a big mature bull, you're probably going to do get you know, close that gap easier if you, if you shut up. Um, yeah. Cause I've called in satellite bulls all day long and I've shot one, but um, I was going for the herd bull and it just didn't work out. <laughs> So. Yeah, but like, I mean, the way you hunt, do you not run into a lot of satellites? Just like the spike last year, right? You're like in the mix, right? You're following the herd. I can't tell you how many times like raghorns get in my way all the time because I'm just following a herd. I'm trying to stay close and I'm not saying a word, but like naturally all those elk are around too. So, you yeah. know, you go out and you call and it, I think calling is um, a pretty productive way to kill smaller bulls. But at the same time, like if you want to learn elk behavior, like just go try to follow a herd for a week. Like you're going to learn yeah. so much about it. Right. I agree. I agree. And I, I would typically complain about like raghorns getting in my way too. And the spikes and stuff. However, in on my 2020 bull, actually this one right here, he got killed because of raghorns. He just, they were running him ragged. And right after I shot him, he ran over the hill and piled up and five of them were coming like so he he was making his round pushing his cows off and he was making that last round just to push him off one more time and he came right in front of me and so but I couldn't tell I didn't know because they weren't talking I was like what like what is going on and so since I shot him and we I we were cow calling to settle him down after the shot the five raghorns just came up and they, they were like less than 20 yards just like so <laughs> desperate just like where where are they <laughs> and i could have shot any of them and they wouldn't go away like so they get in the way but in some, i've actually had an experience where they, i benefited from it and even honestly even that spike that i shot at last year i could have shot that bull because he was so so worked up on that spike for sure like i, I think like there's a, a cool opportunity where when you have the you know those satellites going crazy and pushing or like trying to get cows out of the herd you have all that chaos like gives you such a great opportunity to to move on a herd when if you're calling now you're just drawing the eyes of all of those satellites which always makes it harder like i feel like that was always the problem when i was calling a lot is that like you get close to herd and you like try to call but obviously the satellites are coming first, you know, and like, they're going to come check you out or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I'm trying to get to the herd bull. Like, and then you have to wait yeah. till they leave. <laughs> yeah. 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 So without, without, I would say, I don't want to say without the capability of like locating or being able to locate people, like what, when it comes to like finding elk, what's your, you know, core strategy or core, like, I don't know, way of locating, finding, uh, you know, turning up elk. When they're not talking at all. Yeah. <laughs> just glassing my butt off, finding high <laughs> points and where you can glass them up in canyons. Um, obviously if you can get an area where you see lots of sign with, you know, fresh, fresh poop, rubs, anything like that. Like if you can smell them, a lot of times I walk through areas and I'm like, holy crap, it just reeks of elk in here. Right. Um, you're just utilizing all the other senses, right? That's, that's what you do to become the best hunter you can is take advantage of all the senses. Don't rely too heavily on one. When you, like, I mean, do covering ground, like, I think that's the one thing most people screw up. And I'd be curious if you think this too, like in the places you've hunt, I know a lot of the places I've been, a lot of the hunters I've been around, I feel like they're just not covering enough ground or like finding elk hard enough like that. You have to go so hard to find elk. Right. And if you don't have elk to hunt, then you're all out like covering 10, 15 miles a day until you find them. 
I feel like most people like set up their camp and they're like, can I go to this spot? And then like they hunt this spot and they're like, oh, there's no elk, you know, they're gone. They were here last year. Like, do you think the same thing? Yeah, I think, I think if you're, if you're a flexible person and if you're, you're okay with, I think the key word here would be pivot, right? Like be okay pivoting when you need to, um, and, and not get stuck in one place. Yeah. Cause if you can cover ground, you're just going to come across more sign or, or not any, right. Like a lot of times it's just figuring out they're not, they're just not here. Right. Like, right. Okay. I'm going to check that box off and always having backup plans being staying mobile is huge. And I think that's where that, you know, the big conversation of like, you know, true backcountry like wilderness being packed in 12 miles. Like, is that sexy? Yeah, it is. I, and I've experienced it and it's, it's, you know, I had great memories but it made it hard to be as um, it made it hard to pivot when I really needed to. Right. Like, cause if you need to pack up your truck and move places, you need to pack up your truck and move places, like whatever mm-hmm. it takes to find the elk um, and not getting stuck. Unless, you know, I also want to acknowledge that hunting in general is if it's not about, if you're not there solely with that, with the purpose of killing and that's not like, your core focus and there's a lot more to it like then that's okay too like there's a lot of people who just like to have that camp time and be in it and and they're okay with whatever jess camping's for july (laughs) (laughs) i agree like i yeah i'm i'm there for like little you know the little sleep and the hard miles and the sore backs all that and getting my butt handed to me like i i'm here for that too but i just always want to be mindful of like (laughs) everybody's cup is filled differently and and that's okay. totally. totally. And I like I try not to harp on it, but like it's so true. Like I get like if you there's a lot of people whose dream hunt is like just an elk hunt. They like elk camp, they're hanging mm-hmm. out with buddies, and like that's their vacation. I don't know any successful hunters that are have that mindset. So it's like that's fine if you want to kill an elk every ten years. Like that's great. Go camping in September, but, right. <laughs> but if you want to kill an elk every single year. Like here's, here's the operating procedure, like go, like it's your job. Like don't stop sleeping like all day, every day cover, you know, a hundred miles if you have to. And I think people think I'm being sarcastic when I say that, but like, I'm sure like every time I've hunted New Mexico, it feels like I've had to cover so many miles between like places that I was hunting. It was just crazy amounts of, of ground. Right. And it's just like, yeah. And the thing is, is you can, you can cover a lot of country in New Mexico compared to some places. So yeah. that's the beauty in that. Like if you're able to cover more ground in New Mexico, those elk can too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah no kidding. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and- I, I love that. That's, that is why I try to hike all the time leading up to season. Like right now I'm hiking three times a week with a weighted pack just to get used to it because I, I don't do that all year round. Mm. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, okay. I'm not legally hiking with no weight and like at my own pace. Yeah. But if you want to get after it, um, I don't know, people try to complicate the training process, but really if you just throw a pack on and go do what you're going to do when you plan on getting there, dude, it, it pays off. Like it pays big. Totally. And you know, what's funny is like when you do it enough years, you kind of figure out what, what goes wrong and, and what you need to work on. Cause like, I used to do a lot of like hit training and, uh, you know, like a lot of even sprinting and like trying to like recover faster, which is good. But the reality is, is like two things happen. Your shoulders get so tired from carrying a pack and your feet get screwed up in some way. So like my own, I, I still run quite a bit, 
but my one job is to make sure my feet are like ready for season. Uh, and you know, like people, some people buy fancier boots. I just like, yeah, two days ago I did five miles in wet shoes and like every, I don't know, half mile, I just got my shoes wet again. It was like, my feet were so tore up the next day. I was like, perfect. You know, like now I don't have to buy fancy boots, but it's like your feet get tore up and your shoulders, like from not carrying a pack. So you could do all the things in the world, but if you don't, if you're not used to carrying a 30, 40, 45 pound pack, like you're going to be smoked on day one, even if you're in shape. Right. For for me, honestly, it's my hips. There's something about having that weight on your hips where that the first few hikes, I'm like, Oh, it feels like they're bruised. And then my body just adapts and I'm good, but right. God, it's miserable. The first few times that we pack on. Yeah. Hips are a big, a, the big one for me. So what was your big, those two bowls behind you? What was your biggest lesson learned from either one of those? Um, <laughs> so this is my first bull I ever killed in 2015. Um, it's still my biggest bull to date. Uh, my lesson is that elk hunting don't is kill your biggest ball in the first stunt or your first elk hunt. Yeah, and let me just be very clear because I have no shame whatsoever now. <laughs> um, I that was a a wedding gift from my dad. So when he I didn't ask him for it, he just anytime my dad wants to go hunt, I'm like hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, um, I had never left Texas before. Um, <laughs> I was just like yeah, a chick from the south, hunted whitetails and pigs my whole life, and he had always wanted to experience an elk hunt. And so he's like, well, what if that's your wedding gift? I'm like, all right, cool. I didn't even know that like what a bugle sounded like. I didn't know anything. <laughs> all I saw was hunt with my dad, new experience. I love to travel. Let's go. And so we've hunted elk together every year since then. And I got one on the very last day. I actually extended the hunt, but I went through an outfitter. I was in a great unit. Um, I was I actually sat over a water hole. Like they, they, we, they weren't talking at all. Um, I sat for like 14 or 15 hours that day. And at last light, I got one. And so I think my biggest lesson from that is elk hunting is I had first timers luck. So in my mind, I'm like, a, I, I mean, yes, it was the biggest confidence boost of my life, but I didn't acknowledge someone did the scouting for me. Someone, it was an outfitted hunt. I was in a great unit. Like I took those things for granted. I think the first year and so my learning lesson was like, this is way freaking harder than the experience. I had. <laughs> like I had, I had a huge wake up call. I, I went on like a five, four or five year dry spell where I just, I just couldn't figure them out. You know, you hear about those, those guys who like hunted elk for seven, eight, 10 years. and still haven't killed an elk. Like there is a time period where you just have to learn them. And I don't know any way to learn them and to be in it. And I just kept going and going and going. It was super frustrating, super heartbreaking. Um, so I never even like noticed the contrast in these two bowls in my room, but so it's my first bowl, first time was luck, thought I was like a little badass. <laughs> and I had a huge wake up call, like, you know, cause it, the confidence you feel when you are able to connect on an animal is really beautiful. Like it's, it's the highest of highs. I don't know a confidence that matches that for me personally in my life. Um, this bowl, my wall is my 2020 bowl. And it was the it was the first bull I had connected on since this one. So yeah, I guess there's a five-year gap. And it was just like all of my, those years, there's like an accumulation of like never giving up, you know, never feeling like I wasn't going to reach that mark. I wasn't ever going to connect again. You know, I just like, I longed for that feeling again for five years. And it was just like, it was like the most emotional hunt ever. And I, thankfully I found them. So 
I hit him a little bit far back. I went the next morning and I found him by myself and I just like dropped to my knees and started bawling. Cause you know, when after you've waited that long to find the connect and then you can't find him. And really he was just right over the hill. I walked past him. I don't even know how many times, but um, I think it's just, it was like a moment of finally, you don't have to be the best at something. You just have to be dedicated to it. Right. Like if, if you're passionate about it, then it doesn't, you'll, you'll, you'll cut your teeth again. It's just, it's just going to, it might take time. So, um, yeah, I was, it was just a really cool moment <laughs> really wow. for it. In retrospect, what, what do you think you were doing wrong? Um, man, in all those years, um, several, I mean, a, I, I don't think I was covering enough ground. I know, I know that. So in those, in that time frame, I was, li- I lived in Texas and I, I swear that since I moved to the mountains and I'm able to train in the mountains, it has, it has paid off like tenfold. Um, just like getting my legs where I could, it didn't hurt to go for 10 miles on rocky terrain and side hilling and stuff like that. Like it used to, it used to like whip my butt trying to go back year after year. Um, I, I never knew how to call. I was scared to try. I was very intimidated by it. Um, little, just like little things. I mean, even just as a hunter, when I, as I learned to spot and stalk versus just sitting in a stand waiting for the animal to come in, even learning the habit of looking up more than I looked down. You know, there's so many times where I would like be looking down as I was walking and trying to cover a country and I just like bust up an entire herd and like just learning those little tips of like, keep your eyes up more than down. Um, like little, like just little tips along the way. Um, my boss taught me a few years ago, like if I hear a bugle in front of me, like as he's bugling, turn my head. Cause a lot of times he's right, he's behind you and you think he's in front of you. Just you, those are things that you just learn as you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's so hard to put into, like, it's so hard to even put like everything that I learned in five years is it's just <laughs> a lot of things. Well, that's why it's like, sometimes it's e- it's easier to think about what you were doing wrong because it's like, Oh man, I like, I was such a rookie, you know, I just, I, whatever would walk right up to elk or you know, like, I just didn't push hard enough. I think the thing you hear a lot is like, I wasn't a great, I wasn't nearly aggressive enough, you know? And you, you get that. Cause like most animals, like you come from whitetail, you just don't fully comprehend how fast and aggressive you can move. Like I I've hunted with people and like, they look at me like I'm cross-eyed wearing a unicorn helmet because I'm running through the woods. And like, I don't care if I'm breaking things. I'm like, we got to go. And it's like, that's far more important for me to keep up than it is to make noise. And the noise doesn't matter, you know? And, but if you're a whitetail hunter, you're like, what are we doing? This is so loud. You know, it's like, Oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that was, so that was a huge, huge lesson for me. Like huge lesson. Like, I can literally run towards them at times. Yeah. Um, must have to. Fighting, keep up. Yeah. If they're fighting, if they're raking a tree, freaking go towards them. Like, yeah, it was just always tiptoeing and I was, yeah, I was nervous. Um, thermals, like now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like figuring out some more things. Like thermals were not a thing. Like I came from Texas. I'm a flatlander was, <laughs> I don't really consider myself that anymore. I've been in the mountains for three years, but um, man, I used to get, piss trying to figure out the wind the swirling the coming up over ridges the different times of day like learning that was a huge curve for me um yeah all those things i the tiptoeing around the woods was a big issue for me because 
it was just ingrained in me. Be quiet. Step. Right. You know, growing up, I remember walking behind my dad into the woods and he would say, step with me so that he could hear in between his steps. And I wasn't breaking that up. He'd say, stay with my steps. And so, and if I stop, you stop. Like I need to hear as soon as I stop. So it's really hard to get out of that when it's all yeah. Um, But I had, you know, I was just hooked. Like the sound of a bugle. It's the only animal I dream of. It's the only animal that like will literally keep me awake at night. So I was determined to figure out how to close that gap. Um, Cause I was pretty confident, like in terms of getting a bull in front of me and shooting, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm pretty confident. But up until that point for so many years, I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And so. So could you yeah. find out like, is the gap is the hard part getting close? I would say, cause like, getting the shot, you know, like once you're in range, you can get the shot, but, and then finding elk is like, okay, I can find elk, but is it, is the hard part getting close? Do you think? Um, I think the hardest at the hard part was knowing when I, when it was okay to move, you know, when you have like a, a bunch of cows with them, you have all these eyeballs. It's like, when is it okay to move? Like when, when can I, so yes, but but I'm, I don't know. It's, it's hard to think that far back because I'm actually really confident if I can get, if I can see them, I feel confident I can close that gap now. Yeah. But at the time I was afraid of like every little step, just like, they're going to hear it. If I step, even though they're stepping all around them and there's yeah. freaking 30 of them, it shouldn't matter. They don't hear me. Yeah. Like my movement is going to be the thing that startles them before my sound. So knowing when to move, and play the terrain or to walk in line with a tree where they can't see me closing the gap 10 or 20 yards, like things like that I had to pick up. Or, um, if there were, if there were elk coming in, get in front of a tree to draw back, quit standing behind something because I'm used to being in a brushed in blind or a ground blind. It it does not work. It doesn't work. And so those are just, again, things that I adapted over the years. You just kind of put like, Oh, there, put that in my toolkit, put that in my toolkit. And eventually it all connected. Oh man, that's, that's so true. And this goes back to why I'm a huge believer in going to a Utah spike tag and just go dog a herd. You will learn so much. Like if you could just follow a herd for a full day without getting picked off, like, and if you get picked off, whatever, like, and if you get a shot of spike, great. Like the getting the shot at the spike should be a complete byproduct of like, my goal is to go. And people struggle with that because they want the possibility of shooting a big bull there. And I've had this email. I don't know how many times, like, should I go here? Should I go here? Like, well, if I go to this, any bolt, you know, unit, I, you know, at least I'll have a chance to shoot a six. I'm like, you'll have a chance to shoot a six, but you're going to see like two herds of elk and you might get close to one. Right. And if you go to the spike only tag, you'll be dogging a herd of elk every single day for your entire seven or 10 day hunt. And you will learn more in the seven days than most people learn in seven years. Like I'm telling you, because you'll be on elk every single day. Yeah. And you'll get an accurate, like, you'll just even learning how fast they can move is pretty incredible. People, right. people underestimate that. Yeah. Go play red light, green light with a herd of cows and you will learn a lot. Yeah. About elk. <laughs> yes. Yes, you will. For sure. What's your thought on, um, on sitting water? I struggled with this when we went to New Mexico last time, a couple of years. And it was like, I had a good bowl. Um, and I knew sitting water was like what I had to do to kill this bull. And it was so difficult for me, <laughs> but like, I just know like, that's the game you play when you're there. Like, so what's your take on it? Well, again, I'm from the South. And so, <laughs> so it's easy for you. <laughs> I've, 
Yeah, I've set a lot of, oh, excuse me. I don't know if you heard that. My phone just started ringing. Um, I've heard a lot of, I've sat over, yeah, like cornfields and bait and water and everything, you know, hunting pigs. It's like, they're going to be coming to water. So I've shot a lot of pigs too. I have nothing against that. Um, I learned after my first year, because I shot this guy, over my first bull over water. I did not realize the controversy in shooting a bull over water. Holy crap. Ooh, people come out of the woodwork. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah, it's like a thing. Like, they just like, they think less of you if you shoot over water. And let me just tell you, I'm here for it. However, whatever it takes to legally kill a bull, I will support fully. Yeah, that um, sounds like it's it, coming it, from people who don't kill elk, but whatever. <laughs> um, Does it? Does it like trip my trigger the same way? Absolutely not. No, nothing, nothing can. Oh man. The rush of having a bull bugle in your face at 20 yards. Like that is, I get chills just thinking about it, even though it's like, I've experienced it so many times and it just never gets old. That is how I want to hunt them. Um, however, last year I experienced something. So my, I told you my dad and I've been hunting elk together since 2015 and he just got his first bull last year. And so it took him seven years to finally kill a bull and, you know, he's missed a lot, but he, his whole thing, he had this, you know, image in his head of killing his first bull spot in stock. Like he just, that was, he was so, he was so dead set on it and he's 66 now, I believe. Um, anyway, he pulled his hamstring like five, four or five days into the hunt and I had killed on day four, um, in 2021. So I was able to hunt with him. And he was like, I'm just, he was wanting to go home because he was just so upset. And he just felt like that's, I don't want to sit over water. He kept saying, I don't want to sit over water. And I'm like, yeah, but you need to get the monkey off of your back. And the thing mm -hmm. is we're in a unit and we, we know that there's bulls hitting this water like regularly. And thankfully we had like one of the guys had come across it just randomly. And, um, it was just like a very steady incline, like almost a couple miles back. So it was doable, even for someone who had just messed up their hamstring really, really bad. And if it wasn't for that opportunity, he would have cut his hunt short and gone home and he wouldn't got his first bull. Right. And so having that moment for someone who, you know, yes, he's older. He's in really good shape. Like my dad could whip my butt at a 5K any given day. Like he's in good <laughs> shape. But the, at the end of the day, like he's getting older and he's a little bit more beat up. So having the opportunity to fall back on, even if you're just you're just stuck on killing one in a different in a like with through spot and stop or calling one in. I think that's really cool that 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 is an option for people out there. And honestly, I was on a high when I killed mine over water. Again, I told you, I like, I was like, oh my gosh, I just did that. I didn't even, you know, I just I felt like the most confidence in the world. And, and I think if it fills your cup, do it. And he was so glad he stayed and did it at the end of the day. He was like, I'm glad I didn't go home. Like, yeah. And I got that monkey off my back. I've been trying for seven years and he was really emotional about it. And now he's coming back this year and he's like, okay, I want to get one spot in stock, but I understand why we sat water. And honest, honestly, if you can find a water hole, that's hot. Like we had God, I think we had over five bulls come in in one day. Like it was, yeah. And we could tell like the minute we sat, the minute we sat down and brushed in a blind together, they were just screaming all around him. I'm like, if we just sit here and stay committed, they will come. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. cool. Yeah. I struggle because like, um, 
I always want to go f- like do the thing, right? I got to like, if I'm sitting at the, if I am sitting in a water hole and a bull bugles, I'm like, yep, let's go there. They're bugling. That's where they are. You know, it's like so hard to sit there and be patient. Uh, but like you said, I think, I think there is something to be said for getting the monkey off your back. I know there's a ton of people that like have struggled multiple years, still haven't killed one as like, just get the monkey off your back because you, you hunt different once that's off your back. Like you, you, I feel like you get three or four years into not killing one and you're like, Oh, you know, got to do this. It's got to work out. It's got to work out. And like the harder you want it to work, you know, the more you want it, the less it happens. And you're like, get so frustrated. I think the greatest thing I've, I don't know if I've ever done or just been fortunate to not really care. It, you know, it's like, I go into every situation, like I'm not going to kill the elk, because I don't care, you know, and like, I'll just start following a herd and be like, yeah, I have no desire to shoot this bull. So I'm just going to play. And ironically things work out that way a lot more, right? Because I have this laser fair attitude. Like if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't really care. And I feel like so many people put elk on a pedestal first and foremost that, you know, when it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that they just start like getting in their own head. Right. And they just, screw it up some way they get close and they screw it up. <laughs> it's like, they just can't get that monkey off their back because they put yeah. too much effort into it. It's the pressure for sure. If you, if you build that pressure up in your head, it will, it will impact, you know, how you approach it. And then also like just day to day, if you're having, I feel like it's going to affect if you're even enjoying it. Cause you just have this expectation and expectation leads to disappointment, whether that's punching a tag or, getting a bigger, a certain caliber of a bull, like, like if you can just get to the point where you're happy to be in them, you're, that should be your goal. I feel like everybody's goal should just be like, let me just get an elk. Because if you're in, if you play with elk around elk long enough, you will get a shot. Right. If that's, if that's your goal, it's just to get near them, learn about them, hear them, smell them. Like you, I just feel like you'll enjoy the hunt a lot more for sure. Yeah. And I think everyone has their own place. Like I've, I have come to this place where I don't really care if I shoot one or not. And I know that sounds crazy. Um, I get most 90% of my enjoyment out of finding the next one. So for me, like say I turn up a 320 or 330 bull, if I go shoot it, that means the game's over for me and that sucks. And so like, for me, it's like all about finding the next one which is like, I had to like have this realization. It's like, I don't really care. You know, there is a desire to kill a big bull. Right. But it wasn't ever the thing. And I think I was like, I struggle with that because I was like, Oh, I don't want to be that douche that only wants to kill giants. I was like, no, I just like finding elk. I like finding new elk. They're, like I get this extreme high when you turn up a you know, 360, a 370 bull that you're like that bull has no one's seen. No one's found. Like I found the thing that no one has found that becomes fun to me. Right. And it's like, everyone's at their own place. I've been around in a lot of herds and whatnot. And don't get me wrong. I still love to be in a rut fest and like, there's nothing better than that. Right. So it's like, you, you have to balance that. But, but I do think like to, to your point, find what you want and just go do it. Don't put it on a pedestal. Like assume that if you just work really hard towards it, you'll, you'll accomplish it. Elk are not some magical creature. And I feel like too many people put them on a pedestal that it's like, the impossible task, so to speak. No, it's it. I feel like once you can, once you figure out their behavior and you're in them long enough, it become it doesn't feel that way anymore. But an, 
uh, during the five years that I was trying to get one, <laughs> I promise you, I put them on a pedestal. I'm like, these are unicorn animals. <laughs> like, what is going on? Uh, but the, yeah, we probably wouldn't hunt very well together because if a 320 walks out in front of me, I'm freaking flinging. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I like a 320 bull is more than enough for me. But again, I think once I kill more, maybe it'll change. You you evolve as a hunter and and your expectations change your you know what fills your cup changes as you go through new chapters and i'm sure if we were to talk in five or ten years i'd probably have a different answer to that but well it's funny because people they hunt with me and they think that i will care if they shoot something smaller i i'm the worst to hunt with i will talk you into shooting everything because i'm not going to so someone should as they're like i'll be hunting like dude you should definitely kill that bull like let's we could kill that bull right now (laughs) And so yeah. like, like I'm trying to talk you into everything. So like, I like, yeah, I'm the opposite. I just, you know, I still like putting elk on the ground. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that's a blast. And that's the hard part about, you know, I don't know, hunting solo or whatever. I don't see as many bulls go down. It's not like, you know, the old days where, you know, four or five people in camp and you're packing out elk meat every other day. Like, so I kind of miss that. So if I, if I go hunting with somebody, I'm trying to talk them into shooting everything. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. I still live for those. Yeah. Being in camp with a few people that are really special to me and hoping and praying that we're packing out an elk every other day. That's, <laughs> I will be camp this year. And I'm man, I would love that. Last How year we you... packed out three bulls and I was like, I'm dying. Yeah. And then, so in this year, I think we have four, four tags. Oh, dang. Uh, how do you balance um, putting in the work, like doing what needs to get done and then enjoying the moment? Like, do you, have you found a good balance for that? Cause I feel like you, as your elk career, if you want to call it that, it seems weird, but as your elk career, career progresses, you realize you have to be way more hardcore, way more hardcore, way more hardcore. And I feel like there's always a time where you like lose track of why you're doing it. Right. And so like for you, is there a good balance of like, I'm getting to spend time with my dad, um, in camp with family, like all these things versus like, we're going hard. hundred percent. I've, I've found balance. In fact, I've always said that what, whether I have a tag or not, I will always go and be in whatever camp my dad's in because you never know how many elk seasons you have left. And I feel like the minute that I was to skip that opportunity with him and if something happened to him, I would never, I would never like forgive myself for that. So there's something that I gravitate towards in terms of that time with him and, you know, being with him when he shot his first bull, but I'm also the chick that like stops and smells the flowers and pick, you know, pick some and like, you know, I, I don't ever, I don't go back to camp midday. I'm not that person, (laughs) but I am, all about don't tell me you're above mountain naps no that's what i was gonna say so in terms of like balance i freaking that is some of the hardest sleep i've ever had just on the ground in the middle of the day 20 minute power nap and i wake up and i'm like where am i yeah so yeah i live i live for those moments i live for the sunrises and the sunsets like i love i love all of that and but i do think it took some time to find that balance because i was so hard on myself in that it, it's actually a great example of what you were saying. It's like when you go into every year expecting, like, if I don't kill, then I'm not going to be happy. That was me in that five-year streak. Like, I was just, like, hell-bent on punching a tag where I just felt disappointed afterwards. I didn't have that balance. It was just like, go, 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 go. Still not punching a tag. And then I didn't even, I didn't really spend much time with the people that I care the most about, too. And I didn't, you know, take a few moments to just like appreciate where I am, that I have this opportunity and like to look around outside of 
that, that there's elk in this area. Yeah. So um, I think it's part of getting older, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, yeah, just learning how to not put that kind of pressure on yourself going into it. But the family aspect is huge. Um, yeah, that will, that will always be my top hunt of the year. In fact, I'm actually trying to go into my goat hunt this year, like soak in when I'm there on that Alaska goat hunt, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, Oh, I, as soon as I get back, I turn around and go down to New Mexico with my dad. So I'm so excited about that hunt, even though I've done it for seven years in a row that I don't want it to take away from the, the, the big hunt that's kicking off my right. season. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, cause I do love elk hunting so much. And I love that I get to see him, especially now that I, he lives in Texas and I live in Utah. I don't see him there. Like I used to, we used yeah. to live on the same property, like opposite ends of the same property. Yes. So now, now that you're away from him, it's like, oh yeah, just a week we get to spend together. No, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. special. Um, that's pretty cool. If you could get better at one skill, uh, what would it be? calling (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm really not very like i know you don't have to be great right but i'm a perfectionist and so um and i've just i'm so inspired by people who can can call elk and sound just like an elk um i've never been called in by somebody on the mountain (laughs) but uh i i have heard people that's just they're just incredible i'm like i would totally go straight to that call. And I would love to sound, I just, I would love to learn that. It's such a, it's such a skill. Um, and because I do want to experience what it's like to call one in and shoot it when I call it in, I haven't done that. You know, like I said, all my bulls are, they don't know I'm there. And so uh, a little bit of that is, um, just being timid, a little bit insecure of, of how much is too much. And I haven't, I haven't dabbled in that near, like most people go into hunting elk and that's, that's what they want to do. They want to talk yeah. to them on call. They want to feel like it's, and I get it. Um, I've just been a little bit more reserved in that regard. I would love to learn how to call better. You know, what's funny about that is uh, my sister is all kind of with me uh, and she's kind of got a monkey on her back when it comes to archery, but obviously I was calling all the time whenever my sister and I hunted together. And one year I was like, all right, you're up. And I am kind of like, trying to get her to practice, trying to get her to practice, but she never really had to because she always had me. And so I was like, no, I'm not calling. And finally she's like, I can't call You're way better. Why would we, you know, why would we have me call? I was like, because you'll never get good if you don't just do it. And I was like, you have to call every day, all day. Like you're up. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> and doing that, like just spending, I don't know, four or five days having to call, having to locate bugle, having to set, do the blind setups and like being able to like coach her and be like, okay, like, like we'd be, uh, you know, 20 yards apart. And I would, I'd give her like this little hand signal of like, start talking. And then I'd be like, okay, stop talking. So it, like, it's like trying to learn how to drive by sitting in the passenger seat. It's really hard to do. Right. Like, but if you get in the driver's seat, you're going to figure it out pretty quick. And so like, I, my advice is like, you don't have to go blow, you know, blow the woods out by calling, but like take a few days and be like, okay, I'm going to do blind setups and I'm just going to move into these bedding areas and I'm going to set up and I'm going to try to do my best call sequence every day this, this year. Right. So I'm like, okay, every time we have 
elk bedded in a timber patch on a north face. Here's the, here's the move, right? We're going to slip in and we're going to do some blind setups. And you're forcing yourself to do that, right? Like, and it's good. It's good practice because, like, if you don't, you just won't ever get better at it. Yeah, typically when I'm by myself and I and I feel like nobody's around, like you always want <laughs> nobody can hear you, right? Typically when I'm by myself, I will do it. Um, and with, I'm, I'm with my husband, he's super supportive. But it actually hunting with my dad on his hunt, I was trying to call one in. That was like my dream more than it was a dream for to call my own bull in. I wanted to call my dad's first bull in. Yeah. And, and I did call a few in for him, but bless his heart, he missed him. And so, <laughs> um, but he was the one I was like, I don't want to call. I don't call. He's like, put that call in your mouth. And call him. <laughs> like he was like really like pushed me. And once I started doing it and it was working, I was like, okay, this isn't so bad. And so I, you know, each year I get a little bit more confident and, you know, I, I think having someone in the same way with you and your sister, it's, it's nice to feel supported. Even if you sound like crap, like you're not going to sound good right out, right out of the gate. And, um, but from like a totally like type a perfectionist personality, it's very difficult for me. It's a, it's a struggle. (laughs) Um, I mean, have you heard all, elk? They all sound terrible. Like it's, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I definitely, you know, been, I've definitely had situations where I'm like, that's a freaking hunter. And then <laughs> no, the bull is like making the most ridiculous sound or there. I had one, you know, a really old bull and he's just like, he can't even get a sound out. He can't even like, he's just on the downhill. I'm like, that's so bizarre. So I love bizarre. that when you're like that bugle is so bad. It can't be a hunter. <laughs> like, And then like, it'll get repeated. It's this, it's just like, it's the same bugle. You're like, that's definitely, that's a terrible elk. But like, if, if a hunter was that bad, he couldn't repeat it twice. So like, you're like, that's definitely yeah. an elk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, best of luck this year. Uh, I'm stoked for you. I mean, for the goat hunt, a little jealous too, but, uh, but yeah, but good luck in the elk season. Are you holding out first bull? Like what's your, what's your game plan this year for elk season? Uh, not first bull. I think I would love to get like, out. so this bull is a 322. I would love to beat that if I could, I feel like I could be patient enough and I, I think I can do it. Um, so I would, in a little way, I am putting a little bit of a pressure as far as like a certain caliber, but also if a bull trips my trigger, like I'm gonna <laughs> let him fly and I'll, I'll tape them later. I don't even tape, honest to God, I don't tape my animals. Everybody else tapes my animals. So <laughs> I only know what they score because of what other people tell me. Right. I've never actually put a tape to my bulls. Um, so I think it, it's a decision that you make in the moment, right? It's like, oh man, I, I really like that one. <laughs> so I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. I mean, last year's bull, I would have swore he scored better, but his back end was weak. You know, all I saw was his fr- bucket fronts. I'm like, he's going down. Like that's, there's no way I'm going to pass a bull with that kind of front. <laughs> and then he was so weak on the back end. He didn't score what I thought he would, but he was still a great bull. So. Trying, trying to, trying to pass on an elk when it's screaming in your face is like trying to start a diet with cheesecake on your plate. Okay. Like it's a <laughs> terrible time to be like, yeah, I think I'm going to start a diet today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's crumble cookie. Cause I'm not a cheesecake girl, yeah. but I can tear up some crumble cookies. <laughs> yeah. So everyone says they got high hopes and, and I, which is great if you're just spotting stock. And one of my buddies, who's a phenomenal elk hunter. And he's like, you know, the, the biggest reason you don't, I don't call elk is because it's impossible to make split decisions in those situations where you're trying to like 
And it's, it's so true. Um, actually this bowl right here, like I would have swore he was a lot bigger, but like no time to even think, right. It was like a, a split decision and when they're within 50 yards and you're making a split decision, they look ginormous for the record. Like you, you yeah. I've seen a lot of rag sixes get shot and you're like, man, that was not what I thought. You're like, yeah, it happens. It's called chaos. <laughs> and your brain yeah. just kind of goes into work mode or operation. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's funny, but I, I do think setting a goal is good. Like I, I, I get how it comes off as like, I don't know, like pompous, but at the same time, I setting a goal and going out and having fun, like it gives you something to work towards and like, you'll, you'll appreciate it so much when you like kill that 328 bowl or whatever. And you're like, Oh my God, this is my biggest bowl. And like, you know, that the joy that comes from that of like working towards a goal and getting it is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And the other thing is I, I feel like that's a totally realistic goal versus the guys who are like, they get this 350 in their head. And it's like, it's what you hear all the time. I'd love a 350 goal. I love a 350. I'm like, why is that? The, why is that the marker? Like, dude, you saw a 300 inch bowl, you probably shoot it. Like, and you don't know the difference between a three and a 320. Most people don't like it. You know, like these are new hunters I'm referring to, but they can't tell the difference. And so I'm like, you think that it has to be 350 because you read it on a forum somewhere. Like, I promise you, if you get a decent bull in front of you, you you're going to want to shoot it. And it's funny how, how many guys flip their, the script when, when they see that in front of them. But yeah, I agree. The calling in, um, my husband called a couple in for me two years ago and whenever, and I didn't shoot, I like one, I almost drew back on one. I didn't even draw back on. I, I just like, didn't even raise my bow. He's like, well, what was it? I was like, I don't know what it was. It was a, it wasn't a raghorn, but I, he, I could just tell he was young. Like he was just not what I wanted. He wasn't heavy enough. It wasn't, I don't know. I couldn't tell how many points he had. I just know he wasn't the bull that I wanted. <laughs> he was like in and out. And yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's difficult to make those decisions in a split second. Yeah. But totally. I think your gut will tell you a lot too. If you don't shoot, like I haven't regretted not shooting one, you know, I've, I've regretted shooting one bull, um, <laughs> but I've not regretted not shooting a bull that I passed on because I just was like, yeah, that's not what I was looking for. So, yeah. I mean, if you pass on a bull, you get to hunt again. Like you get to keep hunting. If, if yeah. you shoot elk, they make you go back to work. It's stupid. It's a silly game. So you have to be careful which one you shoot. Cause you got to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you, I will probably be holding a spike. If I get a connect, if I can connect on one, that's my first hunt of the season. So yeah, true, when you true. say, are you going to shoot the first, what, what's your goal? I will not be shooting a three twenty plus bull here in Utah. Like, but also like if you put a spike down before you go to New Mexico, like then I feel like you have to be three twenty or bust because you got your freezers full. You got no excuse. Like, I think it's a great plan. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to do that too, because I would like to go into my mountain goat hunt feeling like most confidence ever so and i it's it might sound a little aggressive but the more you kill the more confident you get so oh it's true <laughs> totally true totally true all right yes well best of luck this year and uh thanks for jumping on with me thank you i enjoyed it talk to you yeah. soon good luck right. have a good luck all right guys thanks for tuning in to the elk hunt podcast if you love elk hunting content tips and tactics all that jazz then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource, and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that, or we'll refund your money. Uh, if you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.